Father, we bless you, we praise you for the work that you're doing in people's lives. God, we thank you for, for darkness that is being pushed back. We thank you that there's, there's nothing that can stand a chance against the light of Jesus. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us this morning, that you would guide us, that you would lead us, that you continue to, to pour out more of your spirit in our lives, that we would see all that you're doing. God, we continue to pray for, for the advancement of your kingdom to happen here in West Michigan, that happen in people's lives, to be poured out in people's lives. People who are, are just so far from you, God, that you would get a hold of their hearts. God, I pray that those who are, are struggling, who are down and out, who are just battling different things, that there would be breakthrough today in Jesus' name. God, that lives would be turned around, that, that joy would come in people's hearts and in their lives. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that, that for all of the blessings that you poured out in our lives, mm -hmm. you just continue to be so good and so faithful. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I, uh, I was watching, you know, just as we were praying, and it just, it hit me, and it just warmed my heart, because I'm like, what, what we're doing, what we're a part of, what's happening here this morning, really, frankly, could fit into Scripture. Because when, when, when believers came together, they, they sang and all of that, but there just was this, this crying out in prayer. And I absolutely, you know, truly believe it. Like, you know, this, what we just were happening in the group that was in the back and up here and all over the place and just even one person praying. You know, we're crying out to God and we're asking for more of his kingdom to come in our lives. You know, we hear like, you know, this, this amazing challenge, like go into the dark places. And then here's what happened in, in downtown Grand Rapids. And it's absolutely powerful. When I saw that online this week, I'm like, man, a business is shut down because of the gospel. Because the gospel got a hold of somebody's heart and transformed their life. I'm like, that just, I get chills right now. I'm like, that is absolutely amazing. And we should pray and we will pray like for more of that, more of kingdom breakthrough here in West Michigan where people who are walking in darkness see the light and they're transformed like, like Saul was in Acts 9. Like transformed, boom, in a moment. But there are also times, though, when you go out and we can be so energized to go out. And then we get the snot kicked out of us. Yeah. We end up having a $100,000 bond that we have to pay. Like, we, how did we get into this situation? God, I'm just sharing the gospel. And all of a sudden, we get caught up in, in this situation. God, what is going on? And we can take a step forward and see amazing things. But then all of a sudden, we get beat up. And we're like, ah, I'm just done. Like, what do we do in those situations? What do you do when difficulty hits your life? And you're like, God, my heart is so pure. My heart is like hungry. I want to see your kingdom. And then all of a sudden, things happen. And you get deflated and defeated and just kind of, ah, uh, just kind of bumming. Like, what do you do in those moments? What do you do when a, a crisis arises, a difficulty arises? I was thinking this week, I was actually just thinking about this in, in light of Acts 4. And um, I remember situation that uh, my second daughter Mallory got into uh, a couple years ago and uh, we a, a couple years ago Mallory um, who's 16 now like, she really wanted a dog and she like like begged for a dog like you know kids when they're just like want something it's just like I want a dog I want a dog I want a dog like everything is about this dog and I grew up with dogs I grew up with ducks and goats and cows and, and pigs and like I'm cool with animals my wife, on the other hand, didn't grow up with a dog, didn't want a dog, and she's like, no way, we're not having a dog. And so, you know, the answer was, like, no dog. And um, so, finally, like, Mallory just kept asking and asking and asking, and, and Cece, 
um, came across somebody who has a, an animal shelter where they take in rescue dogs. And there was a cute little dog, and, and someone said, why, why don't you just come and just check out this dog? You never check out a dog, do you? Like, you just, just don't do that. So we end up driving up to the shelter, and we end up with this dog sitting on Cece's lap on the way home. Well, this dog, named Sonny, and there's a picture of him up on the screen, like, beautiful dog. Um, he's beautiful, but he's blind, too. Um, so, you know, poor little dog. Um, and so Sonny's, like, great dog. However, like, we feed him, we take care of him. However, like, if the door is, is cracked open a little bit, like the front door, boom, he's gone. Oh, wow. He just starts running. And I'm like, bro, like, you, you, you're blind? We feed you, we give you water, we give you a, a warm house. Like, where are you going? What are you going to do? Like, you're going to, like, conquer the wild or something? Like, um, and so this happened one time when Cece and I weren't home. And Mallory was home. And all of a sudden, like, Sonny's gone. And he's like, where is this dog? Like, where? And they were looking and looking. And um, they found the dog eventually. But we're like, Mallory, who did you call first? And she's like, well, I did what you told me to do. I just called 911. <laughs> and she called 911. And this operator said, hello, ma'am, what is your emergency? My dog is missing. And um, sure enough, like, this, this operator, it must not have been busy. There must have not been any other crisis that was happening. And uh, this operator was so kind to her and just said, I'm going to stay on the line until you find your dog. Aww. And she did. But Mallory knew, like, in a moment of crisis, to call 911. <laughs> and uh, the other week I was talking to uh, someone part of our community who's not here today, uh, John Bowie. And some of you guys know John Bowie. And uh, he was in a car accident. And he treated a stop light, like a stop sign, and decided to go after, like, you know, and then just uh, got hit. Uh, 50 months, someone was going 50 miles an hour. And I asked him, he goes, in that moment, he goes, guess what I did? I didn't even call 911. I called my wife, Helen. <laughs> and then she, even in that phone call, um, said, Helen said, did you call 911? And John's like, no, I just called you because you know everything. <laughs> and then she goes, all right, hang up, call 911, and call me back after that. We all have like this reaction, like, who do we call first? Like, what do we do first in a moment of crisis? What do we do, like, even spiritually when, when things happen? When you're taking that step and you're taking that risk and you're like, God, I'm doing these things, and then all of a sudden you get beat up. In Acts chapter 4, there's just a powerful picture of the early church in action. Acts 3 and 4 is this amazing story where Peter and John go to the temple to pray. And on their way to the temple to pray, they come across a man who's been crippled for, for his whole life, and he's over 40 years old. And they look at him, and they, he's begging, he just wants money, and they, and, and, and they say, you know what, uh, silver and gold we don't have. But what we do have, uh, we give to you. Get up in, in, in the name of Jesus and walk. And all of a sudden, there is this guy who's been crippled for his whole life. He's, he's walking, dancing, and praising God. And people are like, oh my goodness, what is happening? And thousands of people gather around, and Peter proclaims the gospel, and 5,000 people come to faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, that's absolutely powerful. But the religious leaders get a hold of this. And they start asking questions, and they put Peter and John in jail overnight. And they're like, enough of this. Like, stop talking about Jesus. And so Peter, at the end of that little section in Acts 4, says, you know what, I don't know about you, but like, we can't stop talking about what we've seen and heard. We have to obey Jesus. And so this was the first time this early church sees a powerful miracle, but then all of a sudden persecution arises. 
And persecution would get worse and worse and worse. But what would Peter and John do when they were released? What would there be their first response? Look at Acts chapter 4. And I think this is so instructive for us as followers of Jesus today. <coughs> Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 23. It says, when they were released, Peter and John, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and, and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the word of God with boldness. I love that the first thing that they did was they went to their friends. They went to their community. And they, they went to these people who, who cared for them. The same people who probably were in the upper room praying. And those who were praying. And, and when the Holy Spirit fell, it was probably those, that same community of people. They went to their, their people, their, their family, their friends. And they shared all that had happened. They shared the, the interaction that they had with the chief priests and, and the, the, the leaders of Israel. They shared the persecution. They shared like what they were telling them to do. And the interesting thing is, uh, just a little side note. This has been bugging me all week. Here, like Peter and John were at the temple, and here were these religious leaders who were telling them to be quiet about Jesus. Mm. And the religious leaders were people of faith. They had put their, their faith in God. They thought what they were, were doing was right. But they had completely missed it. And I was challenged. You know, I, you know, some would say I'm a religious leader. And I was so challenged by this because I'm like, God, I don't want to miss what you're doing. I don't want to try to control a move of God or, or think that a move of God looks this way or that way. I want to be open to whatever you're doing as long as it lines up with what we see in Scripture. I want that. And so we as a community of people, Restoration Church, like my heart is like, I don't want to, I want you to challenge me in this. Like, I don't want to ever um, like miss this move of God. Mm. I want to keep things simple, keep things desperate for the Lord. God, we're hungry and we're thirsty for you. I don't want us ever to get into a spot where we're just like, I guess a move of God looks like this. Mm. And just say, I guess that's what it is. And so that was just challenging me. Like here, Peter and John, these believers were in opposition with these religious leaders who did have a faith and, and, and God was pursuing them. So I don't want us to ever miss the move of God. But here they come to their people and they say, um, this is what happened. And I've always been blown away by their response. Because if somebody came into a group and said, this is what's going on. You know, I wonder, would we have the response that believers had in Acts 4? Or would we start to plan things and be like, oh, there's opposition. Okay, we got to plan and figure things out, like figure out how we're going to approach this. Or, you know what, like, hey, maybe we tone down the message a little bit. But Peter and John and this group of people 
What did they do? It says, and when they heard it, when people heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. They simply prayed. Their first call was to God. They're like, God, this is what's going on. They lifted their voices to God. They prayed. And to me, it shows that they learned what Jesus taught them in Luke 11. Because you go back in Luke 11 and, and they see Jesus praying. And so these disciples and others come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we see the way that you're praying. We see how you're interacting with your father. And you know what? Frankly, that's different than how we were trained. So will you teach us how to pray? And Jesus goes on and he tells this story about a, a man who has some friends coming over in the middle of the night who doesn't have any food. So he goes to his neighbor and his neighbor's asleep and his whole family's asleep and he starts banging on the door. And the only reason that the neighbor opens up his door is that Jesus says it's not because he's a friend. It's just because of the guy's persistence. And Jesus says, pray like that. Ask, seek, knock, pray, cry out your hearts to your father in heaven and know that you have a father in heaven who wants to give good gifts to his children. And so here we see that these believers, their first action is to pray, is to cry out to God. And you know what? At the end of the day, that is the heart of Christianity. That we, through Jesus, have been restored in relationship with the God of the universe. Let's never forget that. Never forget the amazing, beautiful gift that we have in this restored relationship where, according to Hebrews 10, we can boldly enter the throne room with confidence. Because of the blood of Jesus, if we put our faith in Jesus. Amen. And we could pour out our hearts before him. Like little kids pouring out our hearts to our dad saying, this is what's going on. This is the stuff that's happening in my life. This is what I'm wrestling with. This is what I'm struggling with. We can pour out our heart to our father in heaven. We have to be people who understand that salvation isn't just a ticket into heaven. Right. It's restored relationship with the God of the universe. We have to be people of prayer, people of this relationship with the God of the universe. And then I'm blown away, like, how did they pray? What did they say? As they're crying out to God, their first response was to go to God, go to their father. How did they pray? Would they complain? Like, would they start just to complain, like, God, you called us to this? Like, this is going to be so hard. Like, like God, why, like, what are you doing? Where are you? Like, we thought we were obeying you, and all of a sudden this is going to get hard. Would they complain or would they even ask for like, God, would you just like protect us and comfort us? Like, I was so challenged by their prayer that we're going to look at. So challenged because you can tell the health of a community of people or an individual by how they pray. I was challenged by this because when I look at my prayers, sometimes I can be so selfish in my prayers. God, help me in this. Help me in that. Help me in this. Heal me over here. And frankly, if all my prayers were answered, the only person who would benefit would be me. And I'm like, oh, that's selfish. But here, they didn't pray that way. Their prayers were different. They first of all cried out, and they said this. They said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in it. They recognized, like, this is, God, you are in control. The one that we're talking to is the one who is, is seated on the throne, like we see in Isaiah 6. The one who has been, the one who will always be, the one who created everything. They recognize that they're speaking to the God of the universe, the one who has the power in his hands. And often I wonder, do we recognize who we're speaking to? Do we recognize who we're going to and the power that he has? You know, we, it's so true that we're a friend of God because of Jesus. But we also have to have this healthy fear of God to say, whoa, this is who we're talking about. 
We're talking to sovereign God, the God who holds everything, the God who's in control of everything. And then they say this, they go, the events, the things that have happened, the craziness that had happened in Jerusalem, that was all your plan. They recognized that, that, that God had a plan, that God had a specific plan, and he was accomplishing his plan. And even though like, life looked a little different than they were thinking and the craziness that had happened, they're like, God, this was all according to your plan. Pilate, Herod, leaders, they thought they were in control, but you know what, God? You are in control. And that's absolutely powerful to realize. God, you are sovereign. And you're accomplishing your plans and your purposes. They might even disagree with those. But at the end of the day, God is God and he's accomplishing his plan and his purposes. I heard one person say this. He says, um, God has a universe and God has his ways. You might have better ways, but you don't have a universe. <laughs> and I love that because God has, God's in control. God has plans and God is accomplishing his plans. His plans, though, look different than ours. His plans like, might feel a little bit different than ours, than how we would go about things. But we see so much in his plans that his ways are so different than our ways, but they're so greater than our ways. And so when we come to God, when we go through our situations, when we're going through life, are we crying out to God like them and saying, God, your plans, you're doing whatever you have set in your mind to do. And are we coming to God and saying, God, I want my plans to be, I want your plans to be my plans. I don't want my plans. I don't want what, what I want. I don't want to be stubborn saying it always has to be this way or that way. God, I want you to enlighten me and to show me and to reveal to me your plans because I believe they are so much greater than my plans. Exactly. <laughs> and so they, they recognize God is in control and God is up to something. But then what they asked for was absolutely amazing. They said this in verse 29, and now they get to the request part, like this is what we want, God. Look upon their threats. And right then and there, they realized that they were in a battle, a battle that wasn't against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers of this dark world. They recognized that what they were engaged in was a spiritual battle. And so they asked, grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Isn't it funny that they like ask for boldness? Boldness was what got them in trouble in the first place. Like they looked at these guys and they said, when they were preaching, they said, you killed the author of life. Like that's pretty bold. They said there is salvation in no other name but Jesus. That's pretty bold. In fact, like the whole crowd there recognized that these men were bold and had boldness. They recognized that they were ordinary men, but like could, were blown away by their boldness. And here they are asking for more boldness. But then they said, and also stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders were performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What they didn't pray for was protection. Not that that's not good. Like, that's fine to pray, pray for protection. But they didn't pray for protection. Instead, they, they didn't even pray, like, Lord, punish them, get them back. No, they said, fill us with power. That was their prayer. Fill us with boldness. Fill us with power. Why? Because they knew who they were and what their life was all about. Look at verse 29. It says, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants they recognized that they belonged to God, that they were a servant of the Lord Most High. 
And their job was to continue to speak, not their words, your word, the gospel with all boldness. What they were asking for was the power to preach, the power to proclaim. And they also said, God, fill us with, with your spirit. Stretch out your hand to heal signs and wonders so that as we go about, people will recognize, wow, something is happening. God is up to something. This got our attention. And so now we're open to hearing what they're going to say. They asked for this, I believe, because the message mattered that much to them. Have you ever prayed this way? Do you pray this way? When, when, you, when you come across a situation, when you get a little beat up, when you get a little tired, when you get a little weary, you're like, God, I'm trying. Do you pray this way to say, God, fill me with boldness. Fill me with, with power. Help me to proclaim your words. Stretch out your hand to heal. I want to see a tangible expression of your kingdom coming to earth. And when it comes to it, like we have been given a massive mission from Jesus. Massive. Go and make disciples. Go and tell people about him. It's huge. And I heard this said one time, and I put it up on the screen. We have this massive mission, and we need power for that mission. Someone said this, don't pray for an easy life. Pray to be stronger men and women. Don't pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for power equal to your tasks. I love that. What we are called to do is we can't do on our own. We need the very spirit of God alive in us, speaking through us, showing up in ways that we never imagined. Amen. And how did God respond? Like verse 31, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Mm. I had been praying for this for 20 plus years. God, mm. would you just shake a room? Mm-hmm. Would you shake a room in such a way that we're like, whoa, the presence of God is in this place? Yeah. I've never physically felt an earthquake, like shake a room. I felt it growing up, but that was a whole other story in California. But I'm like, God, shake the room. And how did God answer this request? He answered it by demonstrating his presence with them. And at the end of the day, when we cry out, when we're asking for boldness and asking for the Holy Spirit to fall, asking for God to work through us, the number one thing we need is the very presence of God because his presence changes everything. Absolutely. Absolutely changes everything. Yes. So to be people who are crying out for his presence. You know, this is so important. So important and it's so challenging looking at how the early believers prayed. So challenging for us. Is that an earthquake? Is that Roman? <laughs> because we are called to go. We are called to be the light in the darkness. But as things come up, as things happen, our first move must be to God and to say, God, this is what's going on, but to fill us again. Fill us again, like to, to continue to flow out. Because nothing has changed from Acts chapter 4. We are still in this same age, this same time frame, an age of mission where we are called to go to the places of this world to proclaim the gospel. But in order to do that, we need to be filled on an ongoing basis. Filled to flow out. Filled to go. And so let's pray this way. Let's be people who pray this way. Let's have this prayer challenge us and encourage us. You know, what set aside Peter and John and other believers, people recognized that they had been with Jesus. In a little bit, we'll see in Acts 6, Stephen's face was shining like that of an angel because he was so filled with the Spirit of God. And so I'm praying, God, empower us. Empower us. 
We are your servants. We want to speak your words with great boldness. God, stretch out your hand to heal as we go. Perform signs and wonders through your holy servant, Jesus. We ask, God, for your kingdom to come in West Michigan. God, we want your plans because they are so much greater than our plans. We want to participate in them. God, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit. Because we know it's not by might, not by power, but only by your spirit. So I'm going to ask you to stand right now. I'm going to ask that you, you guys can come up. I want you guys to do this as well. But I ask that you guys would just even extend your hand. And just pray those, those words of uh, the prayer of Acts chapter 4. God, that you would fill us. God, that you would, would fill us with boldness. Ask the Lord to fill you with boldness. Ask the Lord, and again, maybe you've never done this. Ask the Lord that, that, that signs and wonders would be performed through, through Jesus, through you. That you would see the kingdom come in power. Maybe confess that you have been living, and I've been doing this, like living a selfish life. Just kind of focused on our own thing. Making life about us. Lord, we need you. Fill us. I think another question we have to wrestle with is what are we filling ourselves with? And there's an enemy that speaks, and I think often that we can fill ourselves with discouragement and disappointment and doubt ourselves. But if you are in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new is come. Same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living inside of you. And wants to fill you over and over and over again. So Father, we ask for your presence to fall. I continue to ask God, you to shake your room. Oh God, would you just so blow us away so that we can't help but go out and proclaim your goodness and your love. Oh God, I thank you for the encouragement this morning that's been to hear how your kingdom is powerfully advancing. But we, I believe, pray in agreement with your heart that we want to see more of it. We want to see more. Not for our own glory, but only for your glory, Lord. Your name and your renown is the desire of our hearts. We want to see you made famous. We don't care about ourselves. We want you, God, to be made famous. And you work through your body and you work through us. So we are available. We are here for you.